Our first scripture reading this morning comes to us from Proverbs chapter 23, verses 23 through 25. Listen to God's word. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who begets a wise child will be glad in them. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Our gospel reading is from the gospel according to John, chapter 18, verses 37 and 38. Listen again for God's word. We find Jesus confronted with Pontius Pilate. And Pilate asked him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asked him, what is truth? May God bless this reading of the word and to our Lord be all glory and honor forever. Amen. That is a great existential question, and it strikes me odd that we find it in Scripture spoken not by one of our great patriarchs, but by a pagan Roman governor. What is truth? Well, we can sit and argue about it all the day long, but we do know that for us as Christians, who is the truth? You can say it out loud. So Jesus is the truth. Yeah, he is truth. We want to know who God is and what God expects of us. All we have to do is look at the words and actions of Jesus. And he tells us exactly what God expects from us. Not that hard. Quite simple. It just isn't easy. But that's not the kind of truth we're talking about this morning. Not the kind Pilate was asking about. Not the kind that we read about in our scripture readings this morning. We're talking about a different kind of truth. We're talking about a kind of truth that we encounter every single day. Well, you know, I heard. Well, everybody knows that's true. I read it on the internet, so it has to be true. They can't put things on the internet that aren't true. I saw it in an advertisement. They can't advertise something and lie about it. (laughs) Some of us live in our own little world, but you know what? Some of that stuff is kind of true. And some of it not so much. We've all lived long enough to understand that, haven't we? Yeah. Think about this. Do any of you remember when the earth was flat? (laughs) Yeah, David and I came over on the ark together. Once upon a time, that was true. Everyone knew it. Why would you go and say that the earth isn't flat? What's wrong with you? Even scientists say that. Of course, you don't remember that, thank goodness. 
But do you remember when it was impossible for humans to take flight? I don't think any of us are that old. Or, this is the one I really like, when it was impossible to get sound and pictures out of a radio at the same time. I bet you didn't think about that. A television is just a radio with pictures. Illustrations for people who can't read. You're slow. You're going to have to keep up. It was impossible to do those things, and everybody knew it because those were the facts. Sorry. But no, you can't drive 60 miles an hour. It will kill you. A mile a minute is a deadly speed. Well, only if you stop suddenly. But we learned a mile a minute, 60 miles an hour, that's nothing. We can go a lot faster than that now. Everyone knows it or everyone heard it from somewhere and both arguments belong in the realm of junior high school. I hate to, to tell you that, but most of what we feed ourselves on and think about is really from junior high school. And speaking of hell, <laughs> some girls when I was in junior high took a book away from me. I've used this in another sermon before, but I think it bears repeating. It doesn't show me in my best light. They took a book of mine and were hiding it from me at the back of the classroom. And I found out, one of my friends told me, hey, they took it while you were taking a test. Oh, okay. So I went back and I said, give me my book. We don't have it. I said, yeah, you do. Give me my book. Said, we didn't take it. We don't know what you're talking about. I said, look, unless you give it to me, I'm going to turn every one of your desks over until I find it. Give me my book. You wouldn't do that. Have you met me? <laughs> and they finally just pitched it across their eyes. I heard you smoke dope. <laughs> yeah, well, it was probably the same person told me you were easy. So. <laughs> That's why my sons called me the butthead avenger. But think about it. We all know what's true and what isn't, except that we don't. Those poor girls thought, for some reason, that I wasn't going to turn their desks over. You know, I've, I've been in detention. It's not that big a deal. You know, a little hard on the ego, but you survive it and get out and everything's fine. But right now, I want to talk to you about something that goes even a little past the truth and into a different realm. I want you to think about this. The decline of mainline Protestant churches. They're getting smaller and smaller. It's not like it was in the good old days. And we ask, why? What can we do? Everybody went to church and everybody was Baptist, Presbyterian, Episcopal, Lutheran. Who have I left out? Methodist, yes. 
And everybody went to church on Sunday morning. Now think about this. Think about the neighborhood you grew up in. How many of those people all over your neighborhood went to church on Sunday? 20%, maybe. maybe 20%. Yeah. Most of my friends got to stay home and play. I had to go sit in Sunday school. And experts help us by developing these programs to help our churches grow. Programs that will bring in younger families because mainline Protestant churches are dying. Everybody knows that. Our churches used to be enormous. We all know that. Our churches used to have thousands of people in them every single Sunday. What happened? Nothing. The entire idea of this crisis of membership in the mainline Protestant church, are we declining? Yeah. But let me explain something, what we're declining from. This crisis is this false belief that everyone knows is true. We talked about nostalgia before. Well, this is another sign of it. But I have some, some uh, data for you this morning. As this country grew, so did church membership. Well, of course. Right? How could it not? There's more people. More people are going to go to church. But in terms of percentage, there's a whole different situation going on. Number one, the religion data archives from the University of Pennsylvania could only find actual data beginning in 1925, and the only thing they had was up through 2010. I heard something. <laughs> Mainline Protestants never made up more than 16.8% of the total population. We never even hit 20% in history. Ooh. You know when we peaked? 1950. So what happened then? Well, it wasn't really a peak. What it was was a bubble created by people who thought, I need to go to church because everyone else is. Everybody has this place they can go on Sunday morning and compare clothing. I need some of that in my life too. But the biggest reason people went was a neighbor would say, okay, let me tell you something. You're new in town. You should go to First United Methodist Episcopal Presbyterian Church because that's where everyone goes who is someone. You can make good connections in that church. Ooh. That bubble was created by people who never really had that commitment to the community of Christ. Those are the same people who said, well, I quit going to church because I don't get anything out of it. Well, guess what? You're not supposed to. Worship is not about us. It's about God. And those of us who know it have stuck around. Isn't that amazing? 
Then we had this early 70s urban flight. Remember how that happened and people were leaving the cities, going out to the suburbs and pretending that's the way it always was. The churches went too. Not because all the people went. The churches went, if most of the United States, maybe you don't know, some people don't. The United States population is primarily urban. Most people in the United States live in cities. But when that flight took off, it wasn't that everybody went. The people who had the money to move, moved. And they took the money with them. And so that's why if you go to Detroit or Cincinnati or Cleveland, you can find these massive, gorgeous cathedrals falling down. There's nobody there to support them anymore. So if we base what we do as a church on the ideas that we were once big and powerful, influential, we're being distracted by a lie. It's not true. It never was true. Everyone knows. Everyone heard. But when we focus on that, we miss the simple truth of evangelism. The truth of evangelism works something like this. Let's just say there was a church somewhere and they got a new minister. This is a true story. I know who it happened to, but I'm de-identifying and this person took this church on an interim basis just until they could find a permanent pastor. And part of the, ter the terms of call are like our contract. is a contract between us, you, and the presbytery. And that figures out you know, how much time you get off, what you're going to get paid, how much, blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of like a contract. And he said, I will come here and I'll accept your terms of call, but I have a term of my own. Okay, what is it? He said, every member of your church session must bring one new person to church every quarter. That's my term. Well, you can't do that. Yes, I can. I can just turn down the terms of call, but I guarantee you, you do that and it'll work and I'll help you do it. Well, you can't. Of course I can. Well, they finally agreed because they needed somebody. And a year later, that church was starting to grow again. Little at a time, it, you know, God didn't send a bolt of lightning and suddenly everybody got scared and went to church. But it went from, can we even do that to, we're doing it. The simple truth of evangelism is invite people into community. 80, according to Pew Research 20 years ago, 80% of people who belong to a church went there for the first time because somebody invited them. You get them in here, we'll give them the best worship, the best church social life, the best theological education, whatever. We'll do it. But they got to come in the doors. And it doesn't matter how well I preach or how poorly. 
That's not going to get people in here. People come because they're invited. And you know people you could invite. Think about this. Evangelism started with Jesus saying, come follow me. He invited people. We don't know if anybody turned him down. Maybe they did. But you can't throw a birthday party and expect people to show up if you don't send out invitations. What a waste of time that would be. Our attendance has been down a little bit this year, but it's come back up since last year. The thing about it is, when we looked this last Wednesday at six-month trend, did you know that three of those months, we were ahead of last year? So when you come in on a Sunday and it's a little bit sparse, don't let that fool you. We're not dying. And to think we are gives people an excuse to give up. I don't know about you, but I don't quit. So there. The whole decline is a lie. We never were that big or that powerful. What we were was committed to the gospel. And we still are. I've watched you, I know. It's not just the money this church gives to the community that's part of our outreach. Another part of it is how we live our lives. Another part of it is where we invest ourselves in our time that doesn't have anything to do with church. Some of you out there are involved in all kinds of causes in this community. Did you know that's also evangelism? Get out there and do it. Jesus invited disciples and Evangelism is just not that complicated. It's as simple as a, an invitation. And we've looked at some things that are not true, but I tell you, simple as an invitation is the truth. All we have to do is look at our Lord's example and invite. People can say no, that's fine, it's okay. But they're never going to show up if nobody asks them. So get out there, be your best evangelistic self by living life the way God has called you to. And when you find somebody who might be a little bit interested in having some more of what you have, invite them. And if you really want to get them here and keep them, invite them on Potluck Sunday. <laughs> Because I guarantee you, K-Bobs can't hold a candle to what we're about to eat in there. Amen. Come, let's stand and say who we are and to whom we belong. God has all life, glory, goodness, blessedness in and of himself, and is alone in and unto himself all-sufficient, not standing in need of any creature which he has made, nor deriving any glory from them, but only manifesting his glory in, by, to, and upon them. He is the lone foundation of all being, of whom, through whom, and to whom are all things. 
He has sovereign dominion over them to do by them, for them, or to them whatsoever pleases him. He is most holy in all his counsels, in all his works, and in all his commands. To him is due from angels and men and every other creature whatsoever worship, service, or obedience he is pleased to require them. Yeah. 